Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is Dr. Naomi Graham, Director of Growing Hope. Naomi Graham, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you. It's great to have you. Now, you are an occupational therapist. What is an occupational therapist? A great question. Um, so what I do is I look at all the things children do every day, whether that's washing, dressing, eating, playing, writing, concentrating. I see if there's anything they find tricky, why they might find tr- it tricky and how I can help make it easier. So all about helping. And you've been an occupational therapist for how long? Uh, since 2011, over, over 10 years. Over 10 years. Yeah. And you did a doctorate. What did you do your doctorate in? Uh, about It was all about play for children with cerebral palsy. Um, so I was looking at basically children who have high levels of physical disability and used wheelchairs, what their experience of play was, which was amazing because I got to basically say, you know, the world sees these children as not being able to play in the same way as their peers um, and almost to play less, but actually the research showed they told me all their stories about how they enjoyed playing and what that looked like for them. Now, have you always had this heart to help children? Because I know when you were a teenager, you helped someone who was um, Down syndrome. Tell us about that. Yeah, so when I was a teenager, I became a, a respite foster carer for a little boy with Down syndrome. And yeah, I've always really wanted to be able to help. And I think for me, that's it, it's really fed into, you know, me wanting to see people in the way that God sees them. I remember when I was younger, even I was about, I think, 11 or 12, helping my mum with um, a beaver scout group she ran the beaver group um, but we had a little boy in a wheelchair who came along and he came and I was really excited because I was really wanting to help and you know get involved and it was great because I could kind of get really stuck in and they, he kind of did the game and that was fine and we got to craft time and he it was a round table a bit like this and he was opposite me and I took his craft from his space and I started writing his name and he looked up at me, he looked me right in the eye and he said, I can write my own name. And in that moment I felt, um, well, I felt embarrassed and, you know, ashamed that I'd kind of misjudged him for thinking he couldn't do something that he, that he could do. But I think it's moments like that that really spurred me to thinking, you know, and, and grew in me that sense that God had given me about really wanting to see people in the way that God's created them rather than judge them in the way that the world might see them. Yes, so our filters are very important, aren't they? You spent time in Thailand, in India. Uh, What took you to India and Thailand? Well, I did my occupational therapy training because I wanted to be able to help um, in quite an individual way. The great thing about being an occupational therapist is every person that you see is absolutely unique and you get to look at what their individual things are and help them with that. So whilst I was doing my training I, I had the opportunity to go out to Thailand to I had we knew some friends who lived there and um, but spent seven weeks there and really I mean it was amazing in both Thailand and India saw the church really supporting families of children with additional needs and providing healthcare in a way that 
yeah, that otherwise these individuals wouldn't have access to. And actually also proclaiming Jesus and talking about their faith in a really open way. Yeah, that is so exciting. Not only caring, but also sharing the good news of Jesus, mm. which is vital, isn't it, to do both? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that excited me so much that people, you know, as an occupational therapist, when you train, you you know about, you know, healthcare profession standards and all of those kind of things. And when you're in the NHS, obviously, you can't, you can't share your faith openly in a, in a even though that might be the, the main thing that motivates you to do your job. So, yeah, when I saw that the church there were really combining it, that was amazing. So that inspired you. You came back. You started a charity called Growing Hope. Tell us what prompted you to do that. Yeah, good question. I think definitely... It was definitely God. I think I'd been, you know, been in Thailand, been in India, had this idea in my head of actually, you know, the church here is doing incredible things. They're providing this healthcare in a way that meets a really big need and needs to happen. Like, why are we not doing that in the UK? And it was around the time that um, I go to King's Cross Church in London and Pete was talking a lot about like the story of Moses and where he picks up the stuff that God says, what's in your hands, Moses? And the kind of sense of, you know, what have I got in my hands? I've, I can, I'm an occupational therapist. I have the training. I could um, do something like the church could start to step in this gap. And then one day I had uh, just, we were during worship at church. I had a picture of, of what that could look like, of families kind of coming into space and burdens dropping off them and children being able to, you know, do simple things like say one word, but that would make a big difference to how they could communicate. And yeah, then I just decided I would go for it. Go for it. So (laughs) obviously in in a place of worship, God revealed something to you. Mm. Now your focus is on children with special needs. When we say special needs, what do we mean? Yeah, so special needs or additional needs are all about anything that's impacting on someone's ability to participate in activity. So it could be a physical need, it could be a learning need, it could be a mental health need, it could be an undiagnosed need, anything which stops me from being able to join in in the way that I might otherwise join in. So uh, all types of restrictions, limitations. Can you give us um, more specific examples? Yeah, sure. So a lot of the children that I see, you know, we want, at Growing Hope, we want to be able to support children with a wide range of needs. So I could see a child who doesn't have any diagnosis but has lots of difficulties with their handwriting and their coordination. I could see a child who has really severe autism and has you know very limited verbal communication and spends a lot of time running around or has challenging behavior or I have you know we have art therapists and music therapists who work with us who might see a child you know particularly post-pandemic who's experiencing a lot of anxiety or you know has has various difficulties with their self-esteem or self-confidence and they work on emotional regulation or that kind of thing together. that kind of thing so tell us what is the ethos of growing hope you came back 
from Thailand, from India, inspired and with your qualifications and experience. So you birth Growing Hope. So what is it? Growing Hope provides free therapy for children and young people with additional needs and their families in partnership with churches across the UK. So we aim to grow hope for children. So that's through our free therapy. So people could be occupational therapists like me, but it could be speech and language therapists, music therapists, physios, counsellors, art therapists, etc. And so providing that free therapy and we do kind of assessment and then intervention for six weeks with families. Hope for families. So we run courses like we have a course called When Dreams Change and we have a group for siblings. We run Circle of Security, which is all about parenting. And we do a lot of training as well. And the family, as I was saying, is is really centre to what we do. And we, we want to make sure that we're always equipping parents and carers to carry on with all the things that they're learning when they're at home as well as when they're with us. Otherwise, there's no point. You know, we've they, we've got to equip them because they spend the most time with their children. And then hope in Jesus. So we're openly Christian, which um, for me, I absolutely love because it means I can combine my faith with what I love doing practically. And we share Jesus with people who come to our clinics. We offer to pray if people would like to pray. We offer to support people to attend church if they'd like to. And the first family that I had who started coming along to church, I was telling them about, you know, you're so welcome to come to church. We're there on a Sunday. We'll offer you support. We've got all of these things in place so that you can come along. And she looked at me and she was like, I can, we can come to church. Like, what do you mean we can come to church? Because she hadn't been able to go because of her son's autism and because of his behaviour. She just hadn't felt like she was welcome. So moments like that are, are amazing. So that's quite sad, isn't it, that there are families that feel that they're not welcome at church because mm. they might be annoying or perceived as a nuisance. Yeah. Is that common? Yeah, sadly, really common. And I think, you know, for me, like I, I read the Gospels and I read the Bible and I see all the time Jesus take people who are perceived as on the edges of society and bring them back into community. And I think it's so easy for us, you know, all of us, wherever, whenever we um, come across somebody that who is maybe different from us or who we don't quite understand, it can be quite easy for us to kind of subconsciously or consciously push them to the, to one side and what that means is that families who have children with additional needs I think often feel very pushed to one side that you know people don't understand or people might make judgment calls about their child's behavior or that kind of thing so it's I think it's amazing to be able to offer something that says you know the church is a place of welcome we know that God's family is for all people of all nations, of all situations, and we want to practically enable that. Absolutely. So you've currently got three clinics, that mm. you, what you call clinics. Just how did you start the first clinic? So I... I went to Pete Hughes, who was my vicar at the, t at, well, still at the church. At the yes. church, yeah. And I said, this is, this is what I feel like God is calling me to do. And we actually set up the national charity and the King's Cross charity at the same time because at that time I felt like God was saying this isn't something just for 
one place actually this could change what healthcare looks like. We know there's a massive gap in healthcare provision for families of children with additional needs and um, yeah so our vision is to have 20 clinics across the UK by 2030 and when we set up the first one it was just me I was you know just there being an occupational therapist and seeing children in clinic and talking to my trustees and trying to persuade them to you know let me get the equipment I needed and um, you know raise the funds we needed and all of that kind of thing um, and and then it grew from there and because we you know because we set up the national charity at the same time we were always setting up with the idea that this is something for growth, it's not something for one place. So everything that we've done, I've done with a mindset of, we want this to be able to be replicable. Yes, so you're a national charity, but each clinic is based at a local church. Exactly. And yeah. is it based within the building of the church? Yeah, so that's the idea. So the idea of being in the building of the church is that we're then able to, you know, families come into clinic, they feel clinic being the church space, um, they feel comfortable in that space. When we say we'd love you, you know, if you'd like to come along, you're so welcome to come back on a Sunday. I'll be here. So the lead therapist always works on a Sunday um, and is there kind of supporting families of children with additional needs to, to come along. And people book into like make an appointment. Yes, yeah, so people make a referral to us, just like any healthcare service. So, but you can self-refer. So all the referrals are kind of via our website. But Senco School and um, Special Educational Needs and Disability Coordinators in the schools, Amazing. yeah, refer to us. And uh, NHS therapists sometimes refer to us as well. And uh, yeah, so we kind of you know we have a waiting list. We see families for an assessment and then um, provide them with six weeks of intervention then they, so they have three months off. the six week intervention explain that so that's basically a family coming to see whichever therapist so say they come to see me um, we have specific goals so we always choose three things to work on with families that are important to them that they want to to focus on for those six weeks that could be anything from you know being able to sit at the table for two minutes to being able to tie laces to being able to say something positive about myself in terms of self-esteem um, and then after so we want to always make sure we're providing intervention because sometimes that gets a bit lost when services are stretched sometimes families just get an assessment and then they're kind of sent on their way so we want to make sure we're always providing that intervention but after six weeks in order that we can help as many families as possible we then discharge them from our service and they they have three months to kind of practice at home and after that they can come back to us if they want to. Oh, that, that's very good because that means you're not encouraging them to be dependent on you. Yes. Yeah you're revealing certain skills and wisdom and saying well look we taught you these yeah. yeah, it's a bit like a physio teaches you how to do certain exercises after an operation. Yeah. But then you've got to do them. Exactly. Exactly. That's very good. So yeah. then you can move on to other people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then you can meet more needs because, you know, there's so many children who are in need of support. So the more that we can, you know, create an effective service, like, it, you know, there's a balance of, of lots of different things we're thinking about, but then we can support more people. So this is open not just to Christians, it's open to anyone with faith or no faith or a different faith. Absolutely, yeah. Majority of the people who come and use our clinics have no faith or different faith. 
Um, and, and what do they say when they discover that you, it's a Christian ethos, uh, you are Christians? And do they say anything about that? Do they sense the presence of the Lord? Or because I'm sure you've been bathing your clinics in prayer. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think they do. I think the comments we have often you know people can't believe how much we actually care about them as a, as a family and as as people the parents often say to me you know we always ask parents how they're doing and they're like I can't remember the last time someone asked me how I actually am and, and really wants to hear how I am and I think for me it, like yeah it's, it's the best bit it's such a privilege to be able yes. to really create that safe space I, you know you have families who come in and they're going through really challenging things they might have no faith background at all but i had a parent the other day who came in and her her sister-in-law's sister they're quite a close family is well has actually really sadly died but was was dying of cancer yes and you know her son had had a meltdown and she was really worried about him and he has autism she was trying to support him but actually being able to create a space where she could talk about how she was feeling and say, you know, I believe that Jesus brings hope even in the most difficult situations. And I'd love to pray for you if you'd like to pray and to be able to pray for her in that moment. And um, I think she, you know, just to, to see that kind of opportunity for peace for yes. her. And, and all of that is funded by the local church? In part. So the local church partly funds the clinics and then the, they also do their own, do more fundraising. So yeah, local supporters, grant providers and the local church all kind of feed in to enable the clinics to happen. But that in itself speaks volumes to people, doesn't it? Yeah. That, that they can have all this and it's not a commercial thing. Yes. And that the church wants to help them and yeah, completely. And I think I think it makes such a big difference in the way that we care for families because they they feel that sense of care and support a bit more. That is absolutely amazing. It really is. Growing hope. So you chose those two words. Mm. Go on, tell us about that. So I was praying a lot about what, what to call it and I just really felt like growing hope is around you know growing we want children to be able to grow we want them to be able to reach their developmental potential but also hope we want families to know the hope of jesus to know that you know jesus brings hope even in the most difficult situations whether we're you know on the mountaintop or in the valley we want families to know that that there is hope so that's yeah that's why we went for growing hope which is beautiful absolutely beautiful instilling hope because so many families must feel so discouraged, despondent, and feel maybe this is a hopeless situation. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we see that time and time again where families come in and they just are really at, at their wits end. You know, they don't know what to do with their child's behaviour or, or with their own kind of emotions and processing. I think we often find when we do the When Dreams Change course where we talk about what's it like when my hopes and dreams as a parent have to change because of my child's needs. When when we do that course, we see parents really start to process some of their emotions around their whole experience and to be able to 
connect with other parents and say, oh, I'm finding this really hard. And another parent sits next to them and says, oh, I'm finding this really hard too. And suddenly they have this moment of like, oh, okay, there are other people who feel what I feel. And, and this is a place where I'm safe and I can say how I'm doing. Absolutely. Now that course that you just mentioned, mm. you and your mother wrote it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. When did you write it? Uh, what prompted it? So we actually, so before I set up Growing Hope, I was a head of accessibility, accessible church for New Wine and their, their festivals. And my mum actually was part of my team and running the parents things there. So it, it kind of evolved out of, of all of the things that were happening there. Um, but then we wrote it kind of officially maybe a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. And we now run it as a, it's a kind of video based course that parents can come along um, come along to but it's facilitated by somebody who you know plays part of the video and then helps them think through different handouts and situations and yeah it talks through the story of Joseph and what happened in Joseph's life and you know the moments he was thrown into prison or down the pit and and then you know when he has his dreams so we use it as a way to kind of talk parents through you know what what happens when my hopes and dreams change and actually look at things like the grief cycle because actually it, it is a bit of a grief when parents when you know you you lose something when the child that you expected or your hopes for your child have to change and talking through the emotions of that absolutely now for families who are struggling mm. with children with additional needs what would you speak a word to them and encourage them what would you say to them to instill a bit of hope in them. Yeah, I think the main thing is that we, at Growing Hope, we really believe that everyone, we want everyone to be seen, heard, and be able to belong, and that everybody has a chance to be a part of community, whatever that looks like, that everyone can be the people that they're created to be. And I think in terms of hope, we want everybody to know that Jesus brings hope, even in the most difficult, situations so even in those those mountaintops and those valleys there are people who want to champion you and there's a, a church and a community who wants to enable you to be able to not just belong but to thrive and to be able to be who you've been created to be in the kingdom and what would you say to parents who just feel worn out tired and at a loss mm. to know what to do with their children, what would you say? I think take time for yourself, which often feels really counterintuitive, but I'm always talking to parents, we, we use this phrase, you can't give out of an empty cup, you've got to fill your own cup before you can give out to your children, like that oxygen mask analogy, you can't, you know, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before you put your child's oxygen mask on and I think you know the reality is there are moments that are hard and there are moments where you know everything might feel overwhelming but there is hope and there are things that we can always do that enable you know kind of more support and enable journeying through things that are challenging there are you know lots of resources and things out there as well that parents can access and that um, can help you know bring you through that journey but I think you know stopping and 
and taking time for yourself can enable you then to look after your children. Naomi, I love that term, you cannot give out of an empty cup. Mm. Uh, that's so, so true, isn't it? Mm. And we do need it filled. Would you pray a prayer for the parents who are currently struggling with children and their needs? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have created us. I thank you that you have created us to be the people that we've been created to be. And God, I just pray for each and every parent and carer who is watching this. God, I pray that you would surround them with your presence and your peace. I pray that they would know that even in the most challenging moments, you are right there alongside them, that you come alongside us and you walk with us on those mountaintops and in those valleys. I pray that you would help them to know that you provide hope, even in the most difficult situations. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much for that um, wisdom advice and, and that prayer. So your hopes for the future mm. is to keep going and encourage more churches to open up these clinics. How are you intending to do that? Yeah, so we're hoping to connect with churches across the UK to provide, to partner with them to open Growing Hope clinics. So as a national charity, we provide as much as we can, kind of structure, support, policy, governance, insurance to help churches to be able to kind of grasp hold of it and, and run with it and, you know, have a clinic in their local area. And also we want to grow our When Dreams Change courses and our siblings group which supports brothers and sisters so anyone can come and train to be facilitators of those courses and we hope that they can run in churches you know across the country or schools or communities and actually that enables another place of connection for families of children with additional needs to experience that hope. So you've currently got three clinics mm. and you are hoping for 30 20 or, you know, 20 maybe 30. By, <laughs> 2030. By 2030. Well, yeah. wouldn't it be great that um, in this conversation that's been aired around the world, that many people feel prompted to say, hey, we need one of these. And... Um, and maybe by 2030, there'll be 100. Yeah, absolutely. That would be I, incredible. That would be. Why not? So yeah. if any if any church leader or not necessarily church leader, somebody, a member of the church yeah. felt this prompting as they heard what you said today, they yeah. just need to contact you, visit your website and find out more. Yeah, absolutely. Best way is to visit our website, find out more about how it all works and the nitty gritty bits and also come along to our courses, uh, do our training, that kind of thing. You're a young lady <laughs> who, honestly, Naomi, you've done so well, well done for stepping out and responding to that encouragement that your minister preached about when you were in that church service mm. and uh, well done. And uh, we pray God's blessing upon you and your team and growing hope. And we do pray that many more, that it would multiply so that uh, more children and parents and families can be helped. Thank you so much, Naomi, for joining us on Facing the Canon. Thank you, thank you so much. Wow, oh, isn't that so encouraging to hear three clinics in three church communities reaching out and helping 
needy people. And wouldn't it be great to see this absolutely multiplied uh, nationally and globally? I hope that's encouraged you and inspired you. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. Hi everyone, I'm delighted to be able to let you know that our new resource, How Can I Pray, is available now. This is a book targeted for primary school age children. If we're honest, we all find it hard to pray and it's good to remind ourselves of that beautiful prayer that the Lord Jesus instructed us to pray. This is beautifully illustrated and communicates very simply how we can talk to our Heavenly Father. Can I encourage you to purchase copies for your children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, for your churches and help children in their journey of faith. Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com.